It took me a year and a half after I wrote my first book to even get up the nerve to share a piece on stage. And as soon as I got over myself, the world opened and I've just been going nonstop. So we really have to let go of our fears because this being in the world or being alive is scary in itself. But if you live in fear, you aren't going to live. You aren't going to experience anything. Hey, what's up? This is Culture Hustlers, where we talk with artists, designers, performers, writers, makers, and other entrepreneurs about how they hustle their living by selling culture. I'm your host, Lucas Bybee. I'm a BFA-MBA hybrid drifting around the U.S. inside a mobile incubator. What did you say? I said a mobile incubator. What is a mobile incubator? Well, for those of you who don't know, it's a rolling recording studio inside a vintage camper trailer that travels across the U.S. And of course, it doubles as a public art and a selfie destination. And I tow it with this really disco 70s ambulance and park it at campuses, co-working spaces, festivals, da-da-da-da-da-da. I will be in Seattle next week. Come check it out. Be at four different parks around the city. Uh, just recording word on the street so you can come and be a part of that podcast. Uh, check out culturehustlers.com for that info. Well, today we are parked at the Detroit Artist Test Lab in, you guessed it, Detroit. And I have a host for today's episode, Terry Burton, who bounces between Toledo and Detroit. I met Terry. (laughs) How did I meet Terry? Well, I was parked in Toledo at the Boz Arts Farm, uh, which is a really bizarre spot (laughs) in Toledo. It was like the super underground music and art space. So the space was closing, they decided, what should we do to close it? And they're like, why don't we have a 72-hour party? 72 hours of weird art installations and performances by people dressed as sharks blowing bubbles and some drum and bugle corps called Bitch Thunder. And um, it was a crazy closing full of, I don't know, we were drinking. It was kind of like people would check out at like 5 in the morning. They'd be like, bye, I've been here for 18 hours and as they're leaving, some people are showing up at like five in the morning and be like, hey, what's up? I'm, I don't have to work for 18 hours. So <laughs> anyway, while I was there, I bumped into this guy named Terry and Terry and I just started talking and just like hit it off. And he runs cloud farming in Detroit and he produces independent radio pieces and he just knows all the artists and musicians in that area. And I was like, Terry, man, like. I want to turn this show over to people. Like, I want other people to talk to other people. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to be the only one talking. You know, I want more voices. He's like, absolutely. Tell me when you're going to be back. Let's line up some interviews. So this is the first of the interviews that we'll be releasing. Stay tuned for ones from Dobbles Oliyami and who knows who else. I picked Rosemary Marie, One Single Rose, for a Culture Hustlers interview because I think she is one of the most hardworking artists in Detroit and multi-talented, dynamic. She is a poet, filmmaker, playwright, businesswoman, pure Detroit hustle, but humble at the same time. Her work speaks for itself. Your surface bordered by shady county lines is colored a dull gray. Crescent-shaped sores brought by dimwits who attempt to defame your good name, adorn your blemished skin. 
They throw salt that clogs your pores from the east side to the west. This gets you heated. Then you erupt like a volcano, punishing anyone who crosses your path the best way you know how. Now our chariots must dodge the dangerously empty blackheads that adorn your beautiful face after winter's acne explosion. Affectionately, I label them dimples. Though I hate to see them coming, I fail fast for them too because I ride for you, Detroit. Your spirit born in me on March 13th. Strangers who know nothing about you change your title. The Big D, D-Town, fraudulently claiming your 139 square miles as their native land. Real Detroiters refer to you as Motown or the D. So what up, though? <laughs> Keep cramping my dude's style. Big Brother's gonna smack a hoe with his dirty mitten. I'm smitten by your mystique, cause good girls like bad boys. I'm not the fair weather friend who cower after media shit storms. Trust I'm gonna tell it like a T.I. is, cause I've seen it all from McClellan to Jefferson. Telegraph to Joy Road, Grand River to Broadway, grass shit to 8 Mile. You make me smile. I love you. I always have. I always will. See, we are family. The tie that binds us likens a marriage. I'll be by your side till death do us part. No matter how furious I get by sins committed inside your house, you'll always be home. I take pride in the 313. D-E-T. People around the world are watching, picking up on tidbits of your coolness trying to be like us. They're quick to put us down, though. But when you're on a come up, everyone wants a piece of your pie. Fairweather friends flock downtown as if they fought for you in the hood. But where the fuck were they when you needed them? They're users who hid from your foul stench in the suburbs until roses grew up from your concrete again. Addicted to the fresh new car scent, they skip to the loo, my darling, playing Monopoly on your streets, bulldozing buildings, unlawfully breaking leases of so-called undesirables in preparation for your resurrection. But you didn't die, though. You've spent years hibernating, safely tucked away, managing to emerge as a champion after ridding yourself of the corruption which miseducated our children. Your tarnished reputation is being reformed. It's time to shine, my baby. Dust off that fist. Put the mash down in Detroit's neighborhoods, not just downtown. Give those of us who've never left your side more reasons to fall in love with you. I was born in the D. I've been here. I'm still here, riding on your tainted asphalt, poetically patching hollows in your skin with the real because I don't ever want you to go into hibernation again. That's that piece. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. I love that piece. That, Thank that's you, one of my favorites. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lucas. That's good. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Uh, Rosemary Wilson, please tell me about yourself. What was it like growing up on the east side of Detroit? Growing up on the east side of Detroit was very interesting. I have four older brothers, so they really looked out for me. Um, I grew up in an era in an era where gangs were prevalent in my neighborhood, so they made sure that I had the tools necessary. So when I walked outside in the street, I knew what to look for. I knew who I should hang with, um, where I should go, where I shouldn't go. 
Um, and that was very important to keeping me safe and grounded. Um, my mom was a single parent. I graduated from high school, from Cass Technical High School, way, way back in the day. I'm not going to say what year. And I would not trade my upbringing for anything in this world. Um, you're definitely a published poet. Uh, yes. uh, one of the uh, famous uh, presses here in Detroit yes. is uh, Broadside Lotus Press. Yes. Um, could you educate us on kind of like the history of uh, Broadside Lotus Press? Um, Broadside Press and Lotus Press were two separate entities until 2014, 2014 or 15 when they merged together. Mm -hmm. They are two of the oldest African-American presses in the nation. Um, in 2014, they partnered with the Motown Museum to produce the Motown Mike the Spoken Word competition. Mm -hmm. And I entered into the competition and we were tasked to write a piece based on Motown mm -hmm. and I won the slam. So as such, I am one of the first poets published under the Broadside Lotus Press merger. And it's a huge honor and I'm I'm still tripping about it. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. I mean, all the history of Broadside Lotus Press, I mean, um, do you know some of the famous um, poets? And Dudley authors? Randall, Ma Naomi Long Magic. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Aurora Harris. Um, I believe um, Detroit Blue is affiliated mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. Broadside Lotus Press. So mm -hmm. there are quite a few Detroit and national poets involved mm -hmm. with those presses. So do you, do you have a publishing company of your own? I mean, do you, you have a, a production company. Yes, One Single Rose is my production right. company. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, the, your production company. I know you had just had a production not too long ago. Right? Yes. Um, back in March of 2018, I produced part two of my addiction play series, and this piece was entitled I'm Addicted To. Um, the addiction series are stage plays, and they're comedies. And we basically talk about different addictions comedically mm -hmm. and we bring these things to the light a lot of stuff people don't like to talk about so mm -hmm. i try to tackle those issues that need attention and provide a voice for the voiceless so whenever i'm doing a piece whenever i'm singing a song whenever i'm doing any type of production they aren't solely for me they're for others as well so i i heard that was sold out yeah we sold out four shows each show, each venue, I mean, each show held 100 people. So we were able to reach 400 people in one weekend. Did you uh, also tape this? Yes, yeah. I am currently editing the video right now and as where, we speak. And where can somebody uh, get that video? I mean, is it is it on your website? It will be on my website, right. onesinglerose.com. Part one is already on the website right now. Mm -hmm. And you can check it out. There are snippets on my website mm -hmm. and a few on YouTube as well. So... Kind of uh, run me through, like, you know, what it takes to put on a theater production. You know, um, you know, it, what would uh, somebody who's new to theater, like, you know, how many hats do you wear? Oh, I wrote the piece. I produced the piece. I directed the piece. I mm -hmm. cast the piece. So mm -hmm. when I say One Single Rose is my production company, that's my pen name. That's me doing everything by myself. Mm -hmm. I've, I've tried to enlist help. People just basically will take advantage of an artist mm -hmm. and of mm -hmm. their talent. So I find myself doing a lot of, of the footwork for myself so that I can make sure that it gets done and that it gets done correctly. 
So run me through some of the expenses and, and, and revenues that come from something like that. You know, like what, I mean, how much does it cost to, to put on a production? Um, well, it was, the, your venue is going to be your biggest expense. Your venue and possibly your sound, and then you have you pay your cast, and then you pay your you have people who help you out as well. Then you might have food, you have mm -hmm. lighting, so it really depends on where you're going to put your piece on. If we're going to the music hall, you can't expect to pay anywhere from fifteen to twenty five thousand dollars per night. Mm. If you're talking the Fox Theater, it just goes up. Now, for me, at that small theater, they showed me very, they showed me a lot of love. I was able to make a very good profit as well as pay everyone who helped out. Everybody wow, got that's, paid. Wow, that's really good for a theater. I yes. mean, definitely for an independent production. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. It was a very lucrative weekend. I can say that. And I also had sponsors, people who believed in me. Mm -hmm. So basically... Half of my production was paid for. Before. Through sponsors. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like, what type of sponsors? How did you get those sponsors? Like, what what was the process like? Well, I just, I sent them a sponsorship package, and they mm. said yes. So what, what And these was... are friends of mine. Oh, okay. And and some people I didn't know, they just offered to help. And, and what was your basic pitch? What are they buying with okay. the sponsorship? So with a sponsorship... Usually you want to give something in order to get something. Mm -hmm. So for the sponsors for my play, they received sponsor, they received um, radio spots. Whenever I went on the radio, I made sure that I mentioned them. Mm -hmm. They also were included in our social media blast. Mm -hmm. They were included in the playbill. And they also, I also gave each sponsor a certain amount of tickets for the actual play. And one of my sponsors played a role in the, in the play as well. How much were the tickets for this? Tickets were $25 for the play. And uh, do you have any other productions coming up in the, in the future? I mean, as far as, um, you know, local playhouses in Detroit or internationally, nationally? Yes, I will be doing, um, I'm writing part three for the addiction series right now. I hope to bring that out in 2019, but I'm so busy um, right now. I'm not exactly sure if that's going to be realistic. So it may be 2020. Um, and I'm also in a stage play next week called Praying Wolves Pray at the Northwest Activity Center. And also in February, we're doing the Vagina Monologues in Marietta, Georgia with Sean P. Productions. And that's in addition to me performing in in Detroit and also outside in different cities in the nation. So how, how did you get into acting? I mean, what, what did you get into first? Um, you know, poetry. Poetry. And then I got into acting. And mm -hmm. then I started writing plays and then I started producing and directing. It's like poetry opened these doors for me that I never thought to walk through until I got up the nerve to actually share a piece of myself on stage. And as soon as I did, it's like the, the world just opened and I've been going, going, going nonstop ever since. Mm. And uh, how long have you been a pro professional artist? I, I mean... Since 2011, I would 2011. say. Yes. So about seven years. Yes, I'm still a baby. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Me too. Yes. It's my first time. I, you know, I was doing this other podcast, and I, and I forgot what it was. I said, well, this, is my, this is my first time. This is my first time. It's every day. Yeah. My first time. 
Yeah. But it's a good way to approach things, I think. Absolutely. You know? Keep it fresh but, and new. They, they took it kind of in another direction of like, <laughs> hey, do you say that to all the ladies? And I'm like, if, that, if they need to hear that, you know. Are you popping your cherry again? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it, I'm innocent, right? Oh, gosh. Why not? Right, right. Why not? <laughs> hmm, let me think. Poetry, intellectual property rights. Yes. Like, how do you handle that? Well, I work at a law firm, and they are very supportive. So I have um, trademarked Miss Detroit, which is a children's book, which I'm currently going to be producing. I do have um, a few small poems in a chapbook called Detroit Pieces, mm -hmm. and it's all everything is going to be about Detroit. Miss Detroit is a poetic superhero. She stumps out crime one word at a time. So I did trademark Miss Detroit so no one else can come out and say I've got a book called Miss Detroit because I own the copyright. You I own the trademark for Miss Detroit. You own the copyright called Miss Detroit. Miss Detroit. Yes. You, yes. You are the Miss Detroit. I am Miss Detroit. The one and only. The one, the and only. And I will sue you. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I got my people on it. We looking for Miss Detroit every Wait. day. So you, you and, said you're a paralegal. Right. You know, I'm a legal executive like assistant. Legal. We do all types of law. We have offices in the United States, China, Mexico, Poland. And, and so, so do you think that experience as a uh, legal executive assistant yes. has aided you in your art, art Absolutely. as a business? Absolutely. How? I, I see some of the horror stories that some other artists have gone through like, with not trademarking their mm. work, um, not properly handling their business where people will come in and just basically take advantage of them with a contract. I can look at a contract, take it apart, take out all the mess, put in something good, what will actually work for an artist. And, and that's what we don't pay attention to. Mm. We, we, we don't read. We'll go right to the bottom line. We're just going to sign because they're offering us a uh, million dollars. So mm. that sounds good to me. But what you don't know is mm. everything that you're putting in, they're going to get back on the back end. Mm -hmm. So you really have to be careful and, and read, read, read. Do you have another business, um, like a side business doing some like legal? Yes. Yes, I do. I, um, I, I consult. I also do some small legal works like drafting of contracts and stuff like that. Um, I can't really say what too much. What about business formation? Are you an yes. LLC or a sole proprietorship? I'm a sole proprietor. Okay. And why did you choose that entity for your business? Well, it kind of works for me tax-wise. So I don't have any employees. Mm -hmm. It's all me. So... So you're a sole proprietorship because of of the liability question with any business. Yes, okay. correct. Yeah, and it's just basically me doing all the work. So I'm I'm the CEO. I'm the employee. I'm the go to mm -hmm. person. So it's all me. You consider yourself having two jobs. One is your art business, your production business. Mm -hmm. Is that also a, a publishing company, like your your books too? Yes. And yes. Um, so you go through the process to copyright those. Yes, I do. Books. Yes, I do. Um, Everything that I write, I copyright. And are you in? How do you market um, all of this? Yeah, that's a good. 
that, this is a good path to go down. I mean, because I think you're an excellent marketer. Personally, this is my personal opinion because I see you, you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Well, basically, word of mouth keeps me very busy. And I also pride myself on being a professional. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people who shits where they eat. <laughs> and, and and that can cause a problem with I mean it can it can cause a big problem uh, with with Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could really right. cause a problem with with handling business because if you're if you're having too much fun and you're not handling your business and you're getting involved romantically in in, in your art, you aren't really going to go as far as you as your art might take you because you're caught up into an into another area where your art mm-hmm. isn't isn't actually taking you take me through your day at you know marketing yourself mm-hmm. like what does that look like um well pretty much what you need to know about me as an artist mm-hmm. is in my press pack everything mm-hmm. you tells my bio mm-hmm. my work where I'm performing mm-hmm. samples of my work Mm-hmm. And where you can find me, and mm-hmm. also photos, mm-hmm. and it's an odd size, so people tend to hold on to it a little bit longer. I get calls from people. I got your card like three years ago. You gave it to me. I just mm-hmm. want to know if you can come perform at mm-hmm. my mom's wedding or or something like that. So if you're going to market yourself, dare to be different. Step outside of the box. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Do what works for you. So I'm curious. Do you have like a sales pitch? Um, yes, I I build I build build myself as something different. Oh, you looking? For, you want to do something different for your um, upcoming concert? You know why not? Mm-hmm. You ever had poetry for before your mm-hmm. opening act? Before your acts come out, would you like to have poetry or something mm-hmm. different before your acts come out? So mm-hmm. that's that's how I build myself something different. Now, I write all types of poetry. When I'm writing nice poetry, that's under the name of One Single Rose. You said nice poetry? Nice poetry, What yes. does that mean? That means that's clean poetry that can go anywhere. That that poetry can go to churches, so, schools, civic organizations, anywhere. So let's, let's I'm, I'm curious about that. Okay. So you have clean poetry, which is a, a whole market. Yes. You know, so what, what would be that market for the clean poetry? Clean poetry would be... Um, Workshops in schools, Mm -hmm. um, church events, Mm -hmm. civic events, basically just talking to children, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And and what is the the other uh, market? I'm going to call it market or the other... The other market is the naughty poetry. And I do that under... (laughs) What's the naughty poetry? Is that... Erotic poetry, straight up in your face, fuck you, bitch, whole motherfucker poetry. I'm curious... Yeah, give us a, a taste. taste of that nasty poetry. Okay, okay. This is Pearl. Unbuckle your belt. Unass those jeans. I'll drop your drawers, baby, because it's ladies' choice tonight. I'll be taking control of this ride, mounting the pony with no hands. Rocking the horse back and forth, round and round, up and down your slippery-soaked pole. Ass popping, dropping, locking on top of the saddle while you dick down my throbbing tight, dripping wet snatch. My G-spot tingles blissfully with your wildly untamed, big, long, hard, thick, 
fast pony jolting inside the sweet succulent hollows of my skin. This rodeo is insane, but I'm balanced securely until I get that nut. Now take me on a slow roll with deep, penetrating, stimulating, sensual thrusts. I'll be turtle if you'll pull my hair. Then let's kick it back up a notch. Breastfeed, catching the girls in your mouth if you can while they beat your face. In our race to cross the finish line, whisper sweet nothings in my ear, planting your seeds in Rose's garden. We'll share a creamy yet copious prize. Our sense of touch blown away with screams of passion. After dismounting, let's take a short break. Then I'm coming to claim another of your senses. Licking you dry. Sucking the motherfucking speech out of you. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's hot in here. <laughs> All right, right. That's you could where do you That's what do you pearl. buy that? Do you have to ask somebody behind a, a counter for that? You know, like in a, like, you know, like a, Man, the magazines and stuff. A yeah. skeevy red room right. or yeah. something. Yeah, do you go to do you go to corner stores and say, Hey, you know, I got something you can poetry to new market well you know there's poetry erotic poetry events popping off in detroit for the past two years consistently at least every other month so take me i'm curious about that because mm-hmm. you know i mean people go there to get all hot and bothered i mean what i mean what is the typical customer for uh, erotic poetry i'm curious about couples that. Cu- i oh. see a lot of couples oh. yeah most most of the erotic poetry shows that i've i've done has been couple driven Keeping couples together. Exactly. And may, might I ask you, um, mm-hmm. or may I ask you, uh, are, are you, do you have a, a partner? Are you? No, no, I'm currently, well, I have a complicated situation, but okay. I say I'm single. I, I don't want to get into that. You know, I, I was just curious because, I mean, obviously, you know. By the time this airs, who knows? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I know I've been to a few readings and I'm like, wow, there's some uh <laughs> pent-up energy here yeah sometimes i see girlfriends coming through like bachelorette parties or you know just basically they're looking to do something different so that's what people say oh we were looking to do something different so we thought we'd come out and and try this so do you have you done private poetry reading yes i have i just did a bachelorette party about a month ago Hmm. Um, when I was in Amsterdam, I was performing with Wunderbaum in a theater production, hmm. and they also set up different events for me to do my erotic poetry after we were done with the theater hmm. in the red light district. So what, I'm curious, what what does that typically pay? You know, um, well, it it just depends on who's sponsoring you. When I traveled uh, with Wunderbaum. Throughout the entire year, I think it was like twenty five grand. Excuse me, like yeah. twenty five thousand dollars to do an erotic poetry thing. Like you, you cleared twenty five. Yeah, I cleared like twenty twenty five grand. Yeah, and that was with the theater production as well as the poetry events as well. So that twenty five thousand dollars is what you got. That was in your pocket. Exactly, it's, it's what you walked away exactly. with. Exactly, no yeah. expenses, anything. No expenses. Free. They they flew me over. They put me up, they provided transportation as well as food, and paid me. So if one wants to be a erotic poetry uh, extraordinaire, what are your recommendations? I mean, 
some folks are going to hear $25,000 in your pocket and they're mm-hmm. going to get very curious. Mm-hmm. So stay true to yourself. Visit open mics to hone your skills. See who's actually interested in the erotic poetry. And if there's not a niche for that in your area, you make it. If there's not a niche in your area, make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this that advice flies in the face of like basic economics, which says, if there's not demand, don't supply it. So how do you make demand happen when you have a talent? How, how, You've got a talent. You're like, I want to be good at this. Mm-hmm. I need to make people demand it. You got to figure out where the people are who might actually gravitate to it. And if you have to make yourself look silly, if you have to do guerrilla poetry, if you got to stand out on the street and just do your thing and you draw a crowd, that's where your niche is. Wherever you are is where your niche is. But then... But then also, sometimes people don't know what they like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people have never heard of a thing, and so therefore they aren't asking for it. Right. But that's delicate. Like, how do you go about introducing something people don't have, might not even have a name for? Like the the phrase erotic poetry, mm-hmm. or or many other new art forms might not might not even register with them. So do you start calling it something they might know it by, or do you change the name of what you do? Do you you build it as something different. That's the, that's where the something different comes into play. Um, you have friends. If you got you you have your family, do something for your friends and your family. Invite them over. Hey, I'm gonna do this event. I I want to try it out on you guys. And then the word grows. Oh my God, I went to see. Well, you want me to try the rock poetry out on my family? Why not? I'm sure you. I'm sure you have some cool people in your family that who you can just keep it real with. That's it. If you stay real to yourself, then everything is going to happen. Do you exactly? So I have another question as far as like marketing and kind of like culturally. Some people might be offended by mm-hmm. hearing Absolutely. hearing this. You know how do you how do you handle? Maybe judgment, mm-hmm. I guess. We're all judged whether, and I could really give two fucks about what anyone has to say about me. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do me. You either going to love me or leave me. And and that's, that's how I feel about that. Because I, if I live my life by who judges me or by what society tells me I should do or what society tell who society tells me I should be, I'll never know myself. And I'm always going to remain true to me. So there, are there exercises that you do mentally to to gain that self-confidence? It took me a year and a half after I wrote my first book to even get up the nerve to share a piece mm-hmm. on stage. And as soon as I got over myself, the world opened and I've just been going nonstop. So we really have to let go of our fears because this being in the world or being alive is scary in itself. But if you live in fear, you aren't going to live. You aren't going to experience anything. Well, there's a spiritual aspect, I think, to your poetry. You know, it's Mm -hmm. very aware. Um, Mm -hmm. How does that factor in? Well, I kind of write for everyone. I write all different all different genres of poetry and I I like to say that my voice is that 
of the voiceless for people who want to say these things, but they don't. I talk about a lot of issues that get swept under the rug. I talk about things that make us uncomfortable. I talk about things that might make people uncomfortable to bring awareness to certain to certain events or certain words, certain stuff that we're told not to talk about. But we need to have these conversations and it's important to keep us healthy, to keep our mental healthy. So we have to have these conversations. Some things just need to be said. So we talk about we talk about art, we talk about money here. But like what we really are getting at is what is the value of a creative person? Like what do they bring to the table? Now you know if you bring something to the table and no one else is bringing it, you can kind of put whatever value you want on that. And one of the mm-hmm. things that artists do like yourself, you're willing to be the first one through the wall for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You're out there saying something that other people don't know how to express, mm-hmm. don't even know what words to put behind it. And when you go through the wall first, they say, that's how I'm feeling. You said it just the way that I was feeling in my heart, or I didn't even know I felt that way. I've been hiding it for myself for so long. And they see you go through that wall. They want to follow you through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're the leader in that. Mm-hmm. When did you know that you were going to be that person for other people. I'm I'm still learning that, but my goal when I first started writing was to reach at least one person. And I um wrote a MySpace blog, so that tells you how long ago that was. And a young lady who was contemplating attempting suicide read my blog and it changed her mind. So that in itself if I did nothing else with my art, nothing else with my poetry, singing, or anything, I had already met my goal just by helping to save her life. And I had no idea that I was doing that. She kind of validated what it was that I wanted to do without me even knowing that it was going to happen. This is Rosemary Wilson, and this is Terry Burton as the interviewer. We're going to sign out. She's going to take us away. Thank you. Thick. Voluptuous, plus-sized, curvaceous, full-figured, BBW. Why are there so many different descriptions to identify all this fabulosity? Just call me full of flavor, baby. Not barbecue sauce, ranch, or lorries. Hot sauce, because I'm fierce. Photo shoot fresh, Feeling like wealth, I'm about to call a paparazzi on myself. Fiery, self-confident, comfortable in my own damn skin. This poem is for double-digit divas that ignore lean and mean jabs to their self-esteem. You're no bottom feeder. Stand strong against itty-bitties with big mouths who drown under their own lightweight. Hate-filled hearts suffocate in their madness. May your inner strength produce enough buoyancy to float past these boats which sail through darkness. Big booty, Judy, step lively into the light with class. Cause your body's too bootylicious for them, baby. So juicy, people drop racks to artificially plump their backs and fronts, but this hair grew naturally. Some talk smack about our voluptuous girls, then go under the knife augmenting Venus and Serena with silicone-filled plastic bags. Real double D's burst synthetic bubbles, but don't cost a dime. 
Pardon me, Dolly. Be careful cramming those triple OGs into C's. Someone might lose an eye or a tooth if you sneeze. Our massive community is stunning, Sister Big Bones. Accentuate your assets. Baby Fat and BB make cute clothes, but that doesn't mean we all should squeeze into them. We might actually avoid unflattering remarks by wearing attire that flatters our figures. We wear short shorts, which disappear in the Bermuda Triangle when the cottage cheese sticks. Pillsbury Dough Girl, cover up that overflowing muffin top screaming to be seen from your midriff. Them tramp stamps are so not sexy atop that thong to thong thong thong, cutting your circulation as it flosses between your moons. Get your sexy own beautiful lady with dignity. Take pride in what you were blessed with and what has grown with or against your will. Love all of you. Be self-assured that you're the bomb.com. May bat wings fly you away from insecurity and turkey necks give you confidence with grace. It's your party, so cry if you want to. But if you keep a smile on your face, you'll win the bullies race. Remember, P-H-A-T is a lifestyle, not a fling. This poem isn't over until the fat girl sings. <clears throat> My name is Rosemary Wilson, a.k.a. One Single Rose. And you can find me at onesinglerose.com. Later, baby. Wish you could have been in this episode? It's stupid easy. We can bring you in on whatever level you want. You can be interviewed. Yes, nominate yourself or other people to be interviewed. You can be a guest editor and sound designer. You can host with me when I roll up into town. You can ride along with me. Just catch me on the road. Whatever you want to do to be involved in it, let me know. Call or text 978-712-8858. Or you can Instagram or Facebook message me at Culture Hustlers. Tell us your name your city, your business, if you have one, and get involved with this podcast. If you liked this podcast, I want you to go check out one called Art and Labor, the Art and Labor podcast. Just search for Art and Labor, Art and Labor. What's that? Art and Labor. You can follow the travels and life stories of the mobile incubator on Instagrams, Facebook, YouTube, and culturehustlers.com. Definitely check out our weekly travelog that we post on where we are and where we're going. Check out more podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. And our host today was Terry Burton. Our editor and sound designer is Saj Domino. Please, everybody, welcome Saj to the team. And our theme is by the very talented Otis McDonald. And this is Lucas Fivey wishing you lots of love from Detroit Artist Test Lab. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective. <laughs>